This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Good afternoon, morning <laughs> or evening, and welcome to the Blurring the Lights podcast, episode 124. And the title for this is All Feedback is Racist. <laughs> Just had to get that out of the way. I am your host, Peter Nicolaitis, and joining me as always is my co-host, Adam Bell. Thank you, Peter. Good to see you, and I'm, I'm glad to be part of this, this uh, you know, edgy, risky podcast that we're doing here. <laughs> if only we had some, some racist feedback to share on the podcast today, you know, but not, <laughs> not this episode. Oh, my goodness. What a, we've been, Adam and I have been struggling for about half an hour to get everything working, and after me being fairly certain that the issue was on my side, Adam rebooted his computer, and now everything is working. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, uh, I, I wrote a book. It's called, Have You Tried Turning It Off and On Again? That's funny, because I wrote a book called Simplify It. <laughs> I wonder if your book looks is, is like mine. I think they're pretty similar. <laughs> they, they have similar methods, similar target markets, and similar meanings. Yep. <laughs> Oh, geez. Yeah. So, technology has been uh, giving us a pain in the backside for the last half hour, at least. Other than that, how have you been? I've been doing well. Um, I am, you know, adjusting to the summer weather of uh, balmy and 80 to 90, but, well, mid-90s. We haven't hit 100 yet, so we're good. It's 88 here in Boston today. Yeah, seems like it's a little bit hotter up north. I guess yeah. it's, uh, you know, the, the uh, uh, global warming trend is hitting you guys, but it's skipping the south. It's finally catching up to us, yeah. <laughs> uh, along with, uh, you know, uh, what, COVID-19 seems to be catching up with a bunch of places too. Yes, it is catching up with a bunch of places. What uh, do you know? So just uh, declaring that it was time to get over it and reopen didn't work? I mean... <laughs> Oh my goodness. We were speaking with a vendor just uh, about an hour ago in Florida and they were talking about, oh yeah, we thought, you know, things were looking good and then we started to open up again and now they're starting to close things down again. I'm like, what did you think would happen? What did you think? Ah. So yeah, get ready for the second wave of lockdowns. It's going to be even better than the first, I'm sure. Well, and ours has already kicked back up, so they're uh, requiring everybody to have masks in going to any business. It, mm-hmm. Before it was, it was uh, you know, if you worked in the business, you had to wear a mask. Yep. Uh, you could go without a mask if you were maintaining the six feet. distances Uh, but if you weren't going to maintain those distances you had to have a mask and and now it's just very vigilant you've got to have the mask on all the time yep now we've been there for quite some time now Mm -hmm. Um, yep i had Um, my exam yesterday and it was all masked up and everything so (laughs) well i had a sales meeting on tuesday and i was expected to speak for 
about an hour and answer questions with a mask on. And I got to the front of the room and I started to try to speak. And, and I said, I said, guys, y'all stay six, eight feet, however far as many feet away from me as you need to stand. Mm-hmm. But I can't do this presentation in a mask. <laughs> and, and they were like, well, if you're comfortable with that, we are too. I'm like, good. And they, and they maintained their masks on. The people on the far end of the table, you know, they were way out. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's difficult. So the – well, and, and you know the um, Icelanders and the Finlanders, you know, they didn't really do a lockdown. Mm-hmm. They just – uh, they just said, I mean, I think they stopped people from coming in. Yep. But as far as people goes, you know, they were they were joking around. I think they had like eight cases that were new. And, and then even New Zealand had like nine cases, you know, in the month of June. And that was from people coming into the country, hmm. you know, New Zealanders who were out of country and then coming back into the country. But the uh, the Icelanders were were funny. They said, "We'll be glad when uh, COVID nineteen is is gone." So, you know, they require us to be two meters apart now. We'll be glad when we can go back to normal life of being five meters apart. Yes, <laughs> I was going to say. I mean, you know, but for them, it should be pretty much business as usual because they're pretty socially distant populations to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, I read or I watched um, I watched a series on Netflix that was pretty good that it was based up there. And I sure can't think of the, ser- the name of it right now, but it had a, a, a nice little mystery in the first one. And then the first season and then the second season was a little bit less interesting as the first, but it was still pretty good. I wish I could think of the name of it, but it but it was pretty good. So, but uh, yeah. And then the Eurovision, have you seen that on Netflix? It's no. Will Ferrell. Oh, no. No, I haven't. Well, they're, they're in Iceland. And, uh, but it's, it's amusing. And it's a cleaner Will Ferrell um, <laughs> movie. Okay. I, mean, I, I wouldn't say you could, you know, move it down to rated G or PG-13. But, I mean, <laughs> well, maybe PG-13. But it was funny. All right. All right. Noted. <laughs> All right. All right. So, headlines. Headlines. So we just kind of did the intro, the COVID update. Mm-hmm. And I am glad to, to observe that my, Massachusetts' uh, number of total deaths, we are still number three in the nation. But Chicago is catching up. So, I expect that, uh, you know, I don't know that we're going to hold that slot very long. So, number three meaning... Number one being the worst. Yes. <laughs> yes. That uh, is pretty bad because, I mean, Massachusetts is a pretty small state. Yeah, but we had one of the epicenter outbreaks here at, uh, right in Cambridge, Mass. Right. Right, in the, uh, right across the street from the uh, same building that my ex-girlfriend was working at. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But, hey, I avoided it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. Moving on. Moving on. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I've been doing some, uh, I guess you could call it cross-training lately. All right. You're going to join the cult? 
No, not CrossFit, just cross training. <laughs> I'm already in the cult of yoga. I don't need another cult, you know. Um, no, I've been, uh, like, this weekend I rented a kayak. Uh-huh. There's a place that rents kayaks, like, a half mile from my house. And uh, so I went up there and uh, rented a kayak. First time paddling anything for years. Mm-hmm. Um, went out, did about uh, about 10K, oddly enough. <laughs> Just, <laughs> and uh, that was a heck of an upper body workout. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. I liked it enough that I've ordered my own um, kayak. <laughs> so, since I live, like, right on the water, I'm like, mm-hmm. Not to so yeah makes good I ran, sense. yeah I ran the numbers it's gonna take me about a year or so you know a season or so to pay off for using it mm-hmm. but um, you know dropping fifty bucks a pop every time you want to go rent one I was like yeah that'll pay itself off and plus if I buy it I'm more likely to actually want to go out and use yeah. it yeah you're gonna you're gonna want yeah hey that thing's sitting there I'm gonna use it yep. So, well, um, did you get one uh, solely for kayaking or did you get one for like fishing or anything like that? I don't, no? I don't, I, I, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I would like to have a fishing kayak, but it's got to be pretty specific and it's got to be really low balance, uh, low into the water for me because if it's too high, for whatever reason, um, it strains my hips. Hmm. And, uh, I mean, just the, like when I paddle, Mm -hmm. I feel it in my hips. Um, I'm sure that that's something that would, would work itself out if I spent more time on it. Possibly, or it might result in a nice repetitive strain injury. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One of the two. Yeah. (laughs) One of the two is almost certain. (laughs) Oh, brother. So, uh, yeah, so I've been doing that mountain biking, running, and for a little while I was just, I was a little sad and and concerned. I thought that I was going to, you know, like start losing, um, um, like, you know, some of my running capabilities and stuff, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's almost 90 and it's humid out. If I, if I don't run for a few days, I'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but on this day when it's super hot and muggy out, I am going to get my mountain bike out. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not going to be anywhere near my best times, but, uh, it was funny because last week I had to ride for about two and a half hours to get like, I think it was somewhere between 500 and 600 calories burned (laughs) and compared to like, you know, a uh, one hour of running. Yeah. Yeah. Cycling is really, really efficient mode of transportation. Not so efficient when it comes to burning calories. Mm-hmm. Which we But now I'm, you know, demonstrating that with my own uh, studies, so to speak. <laughs> we actually got our bikes out for Fourth of July weekend and, and rode, and that was fun. Yeah, I can still ride. You just <laughs> never learn. You never forget how to fall off a bike. <laughs> never forget. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I was I was um, a little disappointed though with the um, the the Apple Watch while I was paddling, it has a paddling workout, but it and it you know it's got the GPS and everything, but it didn't actually track my location. Huh. So when I was done with the whole thing, it's like okay, let's look at it. It tracks like you started here, and that's it. Well. That has to be a malfunction. I, you'd like to think so. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
<laughs> well, that was that was kind of disappointing. So, but then I started thinking about it. Like, you know, I'm really wondering how different are the different exercises on the Apple Watch. Like, if I set it to running, but I end up walking, does it know? If I set it to walking and I start running, does it know the difference? You know, it's it's all mm -hmm. tracking heart rate, but apparently it's not really tracking GPS when I'm doing that. So I don't know. I was wondering, like, what if I set it to a open water swim? Does it use GPS on that? I don't know. I really don't know. So mm -hmm. kind of curious. Yeah, because I I got my new Charge Four and. Mm -hmm when I walk or whether I run, I don't think it matters because yeah. it, it tracks the GPS and it tracks your heart rate and it tracks your steps. Yeah. So what's the difference? Yeah. <laughs> one, thing, one thing I do know is different about the Apple watch though is hiking. It's not uh, like hiking uh, seems to be tracking things a little differently. It, well, it focuses on elevation, but you know what? No, it tracks that too. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it asks, that was one thing I did notice though is like when I was, um, hiking a lot a year ago, it would pester me to ask me like, are you done yet? Are you done yet? Are you done yet? <laughs> Whereas it seems a lot, um, it's, it takes a lot longer to do that when I'm running or walking, mm -hmm. you know, whereas hiking, it seemed to be like, Oh, you just stopped, you know, like within like five seconds of me stopping. It's like, are you, you must be done. You want to end the workout? And I'm like, no, but, um, I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's a mystery of Apple, and I'll, I'll probably never know because Apple keeps all kinds of things quiet. <laughs> well, one of the things that mine does is when the GPS is on, it sucks the life out of the battery. I don't know how bad you're – so a normal day for me runs about 10%. Like I, if I just – if I don't track any exercises, if I just do and be, uh, then it will – it'll run – 90% by the end of the day, I'll still have it. Yep. Uh, I track and it's between 60 and 70 if I run a GPS on it. Okay. So I am getting really, really inconsistent results with battery and I'm trying to figure out, uh, I've noticed now I have a new watch as of what last month or so, because I was having serious battery issues with the other one, like serious, like, charging it, take it off the stand at 100% and then put it on the charger and it was losing charge while sitting on the charger over the course of a few hours. <laughs> um, but even then, since then, it's, you know, the battery life seems less. And the only thing that I'm aware of that change other than a normal Apple software update is Overcast, my podcatcher that I use, uh, has built-in support for streaming to the watch. Mm -hmm. I can understand if that's using more data, you know, if it's actually having to stream cellular data, you know, for my podcast episodes too. Um, but it seems really inconsistent. Sometimes I'll be streaming and I'll lose like 20% when I go for a 10K run. Mm -hmm. Other times I'll be listening to an episode that's on the thing and, you know, I'm down like 50% by the time I get back. <laughs> and I'm just like, I... Don't know. I don't know. And I, cause I, I always have GPS enabled, you know, so mm -hmm. that's not the differentiating factor. Mm -hmm. So it's really bizarre. I don't know. It's not like I can plug some cables into this thing and start running diagnostics. I've never, I've never had the Apple. I've only had Fitbit. Yeah. Um, is the light that tracks your heart rate, does that wake you up at night? 
Uh, no, because my watch sits on a charging stand at night. Oh, okay. You don't track your sleep on it? I don't think I could sleep with this thing on my arm. Yeah. So I sleep with mine on my, my two had a green light that shined through yep. and, and it was constantly waking me up. I yep. mean, I'd roll over and it'd be on where this one, it never wakes me up. Yep. So they, they redesigned it in a way that it, however it did it. I, I, I don't understand some, it, but it works better. I did have some older Fitbit or Misfits or, you know, CrossFit or whatever the heck it was. Um, <laughs> I definitely had some older machines where I was, um, you know, it was waking me up at night for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway. <laughs> so I've got some uh, Google questions that I said, oh, I'm not going to ask Google. I'm going to ask Peter. He might know. Wonderful. <laughs> So, so if you don't know, then I'll have to go back to Google. Have you ever done Google Wi-Fi? I have Stop not. Google Wi-Fi mesh. I have not. I've seen it, but I have not done it. Well, I've seen, I mean, I ran across a uh, uh, company that was having problems with it yesterday. And the Google Wi-Fi seems like it, it's a decent product, this mesh. Uh, but the problem is somebody else set it up and they set it up under their Google account. Yeah. So they don't work there anymore. So now I can't get into the Google Wi-Fi without resetting everything. I was going to say, there's no factory reset. <laughs> yeah, there is a factory reset. And then all these devices are literally mounted throughout the facility. And I there are either six or seven of them. So that means I have to pull them down and reprogram them and put them back. And by the way, it is a Google home product anyway, and should not be used in a business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I agree. Uh, we had a similar discussion at the hospital this week about uh, allowing uh, Amazon Echo devices on the production network. Ah, really? Yeah. And we uh, came down to, uh, there's no business need for that. <laughs> yeah. I need my I need my Apple Watch on the network. No. Actually you don't. No. <laughs> I mean it, you may get some executive privilege if the the you know the CEO or who you know the C level person says, Peter, I want my watch on there. You can tell them no, it's a bad idea. And if they say do it anyway. Yeah. They can also say, like, your next paycheck will be your last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to segment your watch. Cool? Whatever. Yeah. As long as it works. As long as it gets on the internet. Right? As long as it gets on the internet. I don't care. Yep. Well, that case, <laughs> we can just add it to the BYOD network, and we're good. So. Yep. So, we're cool. All right. So, I don't know about Google Wi-Fi. What else you got for me? All right. So, you're very, you should be very familiar with NMAP. The network mapper. You betcha. Okay. So it also works on a Mac. Yep. I so Mac I, I put, so I have a virtual machine on my Mac to run Nmap as well as uh, network detective. Uh, okay. But I was reading that I could put it on my Mac natively. Yes. Would you put it natively on the Mac or yeah. would you put it on the virtual machine just to keep yeah. all your network tools together? Uh, you are possibly going to start getting weird results anytime you're doing network scanning through a virtual machine. 
Aha, that's exactly why. Because <laughs> what it does is it gives me a result from every single IP. It's nothing, but it doesn't leave out the IPs that are nothing. Yep. So, I mean, Nmap, you can work around that with uh, what's I think like the open only flag. But again, it's just if you're running, if you're doing network scanning and discovery and port mapping and vulnerability scanning and stuff on a virtual machine, you're generally asking for problems, especially on a desktop, you know, working in a data center and, you know, like in a more, there's more, um, more controls that you can put like in a VMware ESX environment or something, but uh, on a, you know, like virtual box or parallels or whatnot on a Mac, I would not, uh, your mileage may vary and not in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I think, I, I think you nailed it. <laughs> Bam. Bam. Cool. What else you got for me? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So office 365 multi-factor authentication. Oh, that's so much fun. Text or the Microsoft app? Well, it's interesting you mentioned this. <laughs> so the app is always going to be more secure. And if you work for a three-letter agency, it's got to be an app. Mm -hmm. uh, other than that, I mean, SMS can work. Um, the question that I have is, um, what device are you using and do you have a backup? Mm -hmm. The reason I ask this, I'm in the process right now of trying to find the cheapest um, Android or whatnot device that I can use that will run three or four different authenticators. Uh -huh. <laughs> because unfortunately, I require three or four different authenticators mm -hmm. because Microsoft uses their own protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, Duo has the, they, they support the open standard, but they have their own push notifications protocol and Authy uses their own protocol. Mm -hmm. so I need those three. Oh, and plus at the uh, hospital, we have RSA tokens. Okay. So, so I'm looking for something that runs all of those. And it looks like I have to buy like a relatively recent Android phone to get all mm -hmm. of those. I was hoping that I could, um, get by with uh, like a cheap Kindle uh, Fire device. Yeah. But it doesn't seem to have all of those available in the App Store. But mm -hmm. then I found, lo and behold, that old um, Samsung Chromebook that I bought last year for my trip to Germany supports all of those authenticator apps. Huh. Well, that yeah. might be worth it. So well, that was a surprise. What about an old iPhone like 5S? One of it has to, well, it depends on what operating, uh, what oh. operating systems are supported by the app. Okay. Eventually, everybody pushes things forward and they end up using, you know, a modern app and it won't work any longer. But I tried because I have an old 5S kicking around and I haven't been able to get it to actually boot recently. <laughs> and I've connected it up to a Windows machine to try to connect it to iTunes and that was just an exercise in futility. And at the moment, I don't even have a Mac anymore, so that's not an option. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but speaking of that, since we've been on hiatus for a couple of weeks, we took a week off, um, I'm assuming you saw the announcements at uh, Apple's WWDC. No, no, what's that? Uh, the Worldwide Developers Conference, their annual big thing. Mm -hmm. 
uh, Apple has announced that they're going to be shipping um, ship, uh, yeah, chips, their own chips, in their Macintoshes starting this year. Really? Now, they did that before, didn't they? Well, they used to be all Motorola-based and PowerPC processor, uh-huh. and then they switched to Intel, and uh-huh. now they're switching away from Intel, and they're moving it in-house. So it's going to be pretty much the same chips that are powering your iPhones and your iPads. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's big news because, you know, we'll, we'll have the, – the, the performance on these things is insane. Mm-hmm. To you know what what Intel has been spitting out, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens with that. Now, the big question mark or the big thing that's probably going to take the hit is Windows on these boxes, because right now you're not able to natively boot Windows. Yeah, and um, so you would have to switch from virtualization back to emulation, which generally is a big performance hit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but supposedly Microsoft, I I forget what, I I saw the press release and I forget what the exact words were, but it was like, we, you know, do not support Windows on ARM processors at this time. And uh, I was hearing one commentator said that it's like, that's the language you use when you are trying to work out a deal with Apple and you haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Maybe some kind of thing will start, you know, coming to work for us on the, uh, you know, on the Windows end on on ARM processors. But it's probably going to be a little bit different, you know. It's probably not going to be as cut and dried and uh, simple and straightforward as, you know, like as it is right now running native Intel. So, yeah. uh, but that said, I'm excited about it because, you know, we're looking at, uh, should be looking at a serious performance boost and battery life boost too. Mm-hmm. But that said, it's not going to be exactly like having an iPad. Right. But, you know, the idea of an all-day battery life might actually, you know, be within spitting distance. So, yeah. so anyway, I'm glad I didn't buy that uh, new MacBook just yet. And uh, I'm waiting, and you know, there's a good chance that my next laptop will be a, a MacBook again. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So before we step completely away from the multi-factor authentication, yes. what happens if your phone, if you lose it, and you've got the Microsoft multi-factor authentication app as your multi-factor authentication method? <laughs> You have it installed on another computer or another device. Okay. What if you don't have that done and a user is not prepared for that? Do you have another administrator on your account? Okay. So you don't want to be the administrator and get caught in the wind on that, do you? I've been there and it sucked. (laughs) (laughs) So how, how did you get out of that particular predicament? So after literally weeks of going back and forth with Microsoft and getting different answers three different times with like half a dozen different people that I talked to, some of them were able to work with me as the reseller on record. Some of them wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Some of them listened to my directions and were able to email the owner of the account, which is my customer, and get them to approve. Others insisted on phone calls. And even though I would say, look, this is a yoga studio. They're open like two hours a day. You can't just call them from nine to five. They're not going to answer, right? Yeah. Uh, That was hell. 
And then I finally ended up going back to my distributor and my distributor who had referred me to Microsoft in the first place. The second time I went back to my distributor, they're like, oh yeah, we can just set up a new admin account for you. Yeah, yeah, let's do and that. I was like, great, do that for all of my accounts. <laughs> so you may recall earlier this year, Microsoft switched on and they required two-factor authentication for all of their admin accounts. Uh-huh. After that requirement kicked in, my distributor made me a bunch of new admin accounts. Not all of them have multi-factor authentication enabled. Well, I know that Microsoft's not listening to this podcast right now, but I've got more than one administrator account that does not have multi-factor turned on. How can that be? Microsoft is requiring multi-factor authentication for all admin accounts, Adam. I spent a good part of my life preparing for the fact that Microsoft is requiring multi-factor authentication for all admin accounts, Adam. I don't, I don't know. Well, and I don't know how you're supposed to. Well, I, yeah, I do. I was going to say, I don't know how you're supposed to deal with that, but I guess you would just have to create an admin account for every one of your people on your technical staff, especially if you have a service desk with 40 people that may or may not be there from every single day. Cause that would be, that'd be the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, or you could, um, you know, if you had their, their credentials vaulted somewhere, um, Another option is if you're using uh, a uh, you know enterprise password vault like CyberArk, um, they uh, apparently I just found this out recently um, they can support two-factor authentication. So CyberArk can talk to your RSA token, uh, you know, server or whatnot, and broker that connection too. So well, that's using, interesting. Yeah, so using a, something like that, and I'm pretty sure Thycotic Secret Server supports that as well. So, yeah, wasn't, wasn't there some service we made fun of that would handle all your two-factor, oh. make your two-factor go away? Yes. <laughs> Give us all your two-factor credits and we'll just take care of it for you. Yes. <laughs> oh, Anytime somebody makes a query, we'll approve it. Yep. We'll <laughs> approve it for you. All good. Yeah, I guess that's the other option. Uh, <laughs> I don't recommend it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What other questions do you have for me today? <laughs> well, yeah, that was, those were the big ones. I mean, those were, those well, were good answers. I'm glad I could help. <laughs> Speaking of other things, let me ask Adam then. Have okay. you, um, how many different types of insurance do you have? For my business or for me personally or altogether? Yes. Um, I've got, homeowner's insurance. I've got car insurance. I've got Aflac supplemental insurance. I've got Aflac. It's supplemental. So it is, um, it does cancer. It does accidental. It does, if you're off work, it will pay a portion. Okay. So um, supplemental health insurance. Supplemental health insurance. Yes. Okay. And then, of course, Blue Cross Blue Shield health insurance. Then I've got workman's comp insurance. Then I've got cybersecurity insurance. Um, I, I, I guess you could argue AAA is insurance, but it's That's not funny. really. Yeah. I mean, I pay a premium and whether I use it or not. And Yeah, kind of. It's a plan. It's a service a plan. plan. Yeah, yeah, service plan. Uh, and I, I've got – I know I have – 
two other insurance on my company. So I've got a personal umbrella, yep. I've got a corporate umbrella, mm-hmm. and I've got one other insurance on my business that I'm not sure what, just plain old liability insurance. General, do you have separate general and professional liability? Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. yep. So, so I- That was 10? Wow. I, yeah, I lost count. <laughs> And how many different carriers are underwriting all of these? <sighs> so I fired CNA recently. So a lot of them are under, well, I've still got home and auto and oh, and life. I've got life insurance. I've got life insurance by two different providers. Yep. Uh, CNA is, is one, Hanover's one, Blue Cross Blue Shield's one, uh, AAA is one. Uh, Aflac, of course, is one. So, yeah, those are all over different providers. Uh, one thing that I did do to kind of bring them together is I work with a master reseller insurance agent yep. that brings some of those things together. They handle some of those things together for me. Okay. All right. I was just curious because I've got a bunch of different um, you know, insurances and I'm looking at consolidating all of my personal stuff other than healthcare, uh, over to, uh, Liberty Mutual. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, um, last year for the first time they were able to beat, uh, progressive on my car insurance. Mm-hmm. And now I'm looking at them and they're coming to a point where they're close enough to Vermont Mutual on my homeowners and my renter, uh, my um, rental property, that it's going to be like just convenient to have them under one carrier. We're, we're within like 40, 50 bucks or so. Mm-hmm. And just being able to deal, Liberty Mutual has just been easier to deal with. Mm-hmm. A lot more tech savvy and uh, just easier to get straight answers out of my little mom and pop agency down the street. Yeah. And, you know, I understand, like, if you're getting really good service from someone, then, you know, you would stay, but haven't been getting really good service either. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I haven't been getting, like, really straight answers. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's not exactly what I was looking for, you know. It's like, yeah, give me, give me some better answers. But, uh, but I've got that, you know, so I've got right now, at the moment, my – homeowners and my um, rental property are in one provider. Um, life, uh, I have a life insurance policy. I have two accidental death and dismemberment policies. Yeah. Which you'd think AD, you know, death and life insurance would be the same, but apparently that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, life insurance and then there's death insurance. Um, I've got, uh, healthcare. Now that's coming through the hospital. So that's easy. And that includes vision and dental as well. Um, and I've got my general and professional and cyber liability policies all wrapped up in one through Beasley through another, mm-hmm. another company through a former client of mine in Vermont. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, so again, seeing him like if I could find someone else that I could, you know, roll that over to, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've got a bunch, but the, um, the, uh, um, the life insurance policy I have, I think that's only good for a few more years. Yeah. 
because I think that was up until like age 50 or something. And mm -hmm. you know, it's cheap. It's pay I'm paying like 300 or 200 something a year for a million dollar policy. Mm -hmm. After that, that's just going to go way the hell up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so what I did on that is, so I got it when I turned 27, we, we had our first child, Ashlyn. And so we set it up then. So it was a 20 year term. And so I'm approaching 47. So next year that one will go away. Mm -hmm. uh, probably five years ago now I did a new 30 year term. Mm -hmm. And so that'll run. I mean, cause I mean, the re the, we did the insurance as, um, you know, disaster recovery planning. If something yeah. happened to me, my kids would be taken care of. So That's our 30 year, <laughs> yeah, our 30 year is, is a smaller policy than our original 20 year, just because it's only for each of us. And you know, there's, Hey, there's a little benefit of you dying. I'm going to get a wad of cash. <laughs> But I mean, we, we've been financial planning for a long time. So, you know, house houses will be paid off and we don't run a business on credit. So, you know, other than, other than, you know, my wife being without her husband, she'll be okay. <laughs> well, the purpose of insurance is to restore financial stability in the event of a calamity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the way it is, right? You yeah. Know? So. <sighs> so I had one other thing while we're talking about uh, multi-factor thing, bringing it back to tech again. Okay. Um, are you working with any um, email security gateways? Right now, the only one that's in my repertoire is uh, Viper. And then, so not third party, the rest of them are using Google built-in or Office 365, Microsoft's built-in. Yep. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, as an Office 365 reseller, I'm, I'm tempted to start moving towards that because it's just using third-party mail filters and security stuff is just becoming such a pain. Yeah. You know, and I'm working on now and uh, trying to, um, trying to figure out what's going on with, uh, using a third party mail filter in front of office 365 and it's just, it's not working. Mm -hmm. It's still sending mail, but it's not sending it through the mail filter. And what we're trying to do is enable outbound encryption for this account. Yeah. What happened is I got a, a somewhat cryptic email from a client a few days ago and she's like, can I get a digital ID or a digital certificate? And I was like, well, what are you trying to do? And she said, well, I want to send encrypted emails. I was like, okay, well, you're already buying that service through us, so let's just turn it on for you. Yeah. And so I'm trying to turn it on for her, and it's not working. <laughs> and I was like, that's great. That's just awesome. So, and I get these, you know, like page after page after page of error messages. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kicking it back over to, you know, the third party. And, like, I'm dreading the third party email filter vendor saying, well, you need to talk to Microsoft about this. Yeah. You know, Microsoft is probably going to tell me like, whatever, you know, yeah. use office 365 E3 or E5. Right. Yeah. I mean, if I were Microsoft, I'd say, well, as long as it's not coming directly to me, it's not my problem. <laughs> Pretty much. 
The problem is you're not sending email through me. Yeah, that's the problem. Yep. And I've, I've never had one of those systems work well. It's, all, it's, either, uh, it's either too loose or too tight. And it just, you know, everything gets through or nothing gets through. And, yeah. and I, I, I've had better luck with the, the filtering. I mean, even in Google uh, and um, Microsoft's filtering, it seems kind of, it's very black boxy. You know, you just say, yeah, oh yeah. I, I want to tighten this one more notch. Okay, what does that mean? That means you'll get less spam. But, but what does that mean? I mean, what did that one notch do? It, it also means you're going to get less email. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, mine, mine is, I don't know, I'm in a good place with my, I mean, Google Apps business uh, email. Um, I, get a, I get a lot of spam that comes through, but it goes into my spam folder. Mm-hmm. I don't get a lot of... Um, I don't get a lot of out of country. I don't get a lot of the phishing. Uh, A lot of that stuff just never comes to me at all. But a lot of the stuff that's spam, even if it's not 100% spam, like I get an email from a particular vendor over and over and over and over again, and I never read it, even though I did subscribe to them. They start offering that for me to be spam. And I'm like, you know what? I just need to unsubscribe from that because I'm not reading it anyway. <laughs> you know, so it's predictively uh, picking out my spam for me. <laughs> Predictive spam. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> so, um, you heard that on July 1st, Tesla was raising the price of their full self-driving capabilities, so, which, by the way, still does not exist. Uh huh. So uh, did. Did you pre-purchase? I know you were, it was a dilemma. It was a dilemma. And as, a, as promised on July 1st, the price bumped up to $5,000. Ow. I did not buy it. <laughs> I decided, you know what? I'm going to wait until the thing actually exists. Yeah. Now that said, there have been supposed upgrades and enhancements to the autopilot Mm-hmm. which is driver assistance. It's not fully self-driving. But I can't get a straight answer. Like, I'm looking at the forums in, in uh, Reddit, the Tesla user, you know, Tesla Motors forum, and they're saying that uh, someone posted that when they got the MCU or the media control unit upgrade, which is available, mm-hmm. uh, that it affected their autopilot and it was like now the computer was powerful enough to stop at stoplights and stop signs. Oh, wow. But from what I can see in the literature, the MCU is just the media enhancement. It lets you, like, it gives you a more, a faster computer. It includes streaming videos, so you can do YouTube and Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so, but I can't get a straight answer. And of course, you can't speak to anyone Tesla. <laughs> so I made a support a service call and I scheduled the upgrade mm-hmm. and then I asked a question to which I got no answer. Right. So I've just canceled that because I'm not going to pay $2,500 plus tax to get an answer to my question. So I'm going to 
ask another question with another service call and just say, hi, I've got this question. I hear that, you know, if you upgrade the MCU, that it will make your autopilot better. And that's how you can get these features, which my car supposedly is too old. Is that true? Yeah. We'll see if that happens. Well, and the other dilemma is how old is your car now? Well, it's 2017, but it's quote unquote future proofed because it was uh, new enough that it can be upgraded. Mm -hmm. Now the plan I had, the the plan is that I was going to have this car for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. So I'm closing in on three years now. It's been two Mm -hmm. and a half, right? So I've still got like seven years left, but like, you know, I'm so sick of Elon Musk and his, you know, antics. Like, when is full self-driving going to be happening? Soon. That was the last time he responded, in January. Soon. <laughs> right? I'm like, well, that's great, Elon. I am not paying, you know, for vaporware. I'm, I'm paying to be a beta tester with autopilot, sure, but I'm not going to pay for, you know, his non-existent software. Yeah. So, I paid for a non-existent car, but then I got that refunded and applied it to my existent car. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, which I didn't realize that there was the upgrade proof version, you know, cause I think of a computer, um, a computer is really, unless you bought on the way high end of it, three years is, is end of life, um, yeah. depending on its purpose. And, yeah. And that car is a very complex computer. Totally is. So, but, but that's the thing is the computery guts of it are upgradable, which is the mm-hmm. nice part. That said, the computery guts of this thing, they were woefully inadequate when it rolled off the assembly line. That computer that they put in was way underpowered, you know, but 2,500 bucks, that's an expensive upgrade too. You know, yeah. that is, if, if it's if all that's going to get me is the ability to watch Netflix, you know, when I'm sitting there at a supercharger, mm-hmm. probably going to stick with meditation. <laughs> Especially now in the COVID days when I'm hardly ever driving. <laughs> uh, and and you know what I could do with twenty five hundred dollars in my truck? I mean, I could put a whole brand new engine in it. See. Now, if only I could put a, you know, a couple more motors in mine and make my, uh, my Tesla all-wheel drive and get the extra range and the power, I'd pay for that. But there's no upgrade options for those, unfortunately. So. But anyway, I think that pretty much exhausts me as far as topics go these days. And I need every ounce of energy that I can muster because I'm planning on going biking in the 89-degree weather. Oh, yeah after this so yeah 89 and well it says my apple watch says 50 percent chance of rain but it looks sunny outside right now so (laughs) yeah apple apple after their acquisition of dark sky their their uh, weather has not improved at all yeah but dark sky has a severe weather warning but is predicting partly cloudy and clear for the rest of the evening so wonderful (laughs) on that note you want to take us out Yes, sir. Okay. We do want your feedback, even if it is racist. <laughs> if you'd like to discuss a particular topic, then you can drop us a line at www. I got to interrupt. Sorry, I just realized we didn't explain that. No, we didn't. <laughs> we explained that all feedback is racist, but we didn't explain why all feedback is racist. 
Oh, brother. So a couple of weeks ago on our last episode, we were talking about how um, uh, facial recognition is racist, right? You know, the algorithm does not work well on people with dark skin. And this is, this is a known fact. So we joked that it's racist. So I was trying to um, email, I was trying to message Scott, and he was helping me uh, try to um, wrap my head around iOS uh, Siri shortcuts. And so, you know, he sent me a bunch of stuff. And I just want to say, you know, like, hey, thanks. And, you know, he was like saying, well, you should really try this, this, this. And I want to just say, you know, thanks. I, you know, that's appreciated. And appreciated in autocorrect came out as all feedback is racist. I tried to say um, any all, all, any feedback is appreciated, or I don't even remember what I was trying to say, but somewhere appreciated became racist. So, mm-hmm. so suddenly that became our episode title. So that's where we had it, in case you were wondering where that came from. Now you yeah. know. So I'll post the picture. I don't see anything else in there that's uh, uh, confidential. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> uh, that's all I've got. Sorry. All continue. Right. So, if you do have any feedback, then please uh, find us at www.blurringthelinespodcast.com and fill out our contact us form, or you could also reach us at Twitter or our respective websites at paradigmcc.com or yogawithpeter.com or you can reach me at www.sublimecomp.com so that was a big mouthful only thing left to, to do now push that big red button big red button to contact either us or our guests visit blurringthelinespodcast.com if you like what you're hearing do us a solid and subscribe to our podcast And leave us a five-star review in iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever you found us.